Hi, and welcome to Recovered, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. My name is Stephanie, and I am a recovered alcoholic on staff at the Magdalene House. Each week, I have the pleasure of conducting a live interview with an alcoholic woman in recovery for the participants who are currently in our Next Step program. Whether you're in recovery yourself, contemplating giving it a try, or just supporting someone who is, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. All right. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Stephanie Crawford, and I am the host of this podcast, Recovered Interviews with Alcoholic Women. Uh, So good to see our participants and graduates on. Starting in January, participants and graduates will no longer be uh, signing on to the live recordings. So, uh, Kimberly, I see your face. <laughs> I know you'll have to wait until they come out like everybody else does. So it's really cool to see you guys, um, on here this morning. So I get the pleasure of interviewing amazing women who either I have known and have made an impact on my life or, you know, other people have known who I would have never gotten to meet otherwise had it not been for this podcast. And today we're going to be interviewing Shay J. One thing about Shay, I told you guys, she's very dynamic, has a lot of passion. Um, I I can I already know it's going to be great, but I was talking to a couple people about who our podcast guest was going to be coming up, and I said Shay, and and someone who de- doesn't know Shay said, "Is that that girl that everybody loves?" And I said, "Yeah," and they're like what is it about her that everybody loves? And I said, well, you just, you just got to see her speaker. You just got to meet her. Um, But she has such a great connection with God and like taking you back to the solution and like saying the right thing at the right time. And, and it all comes from her higher power. So anyways, Shay, happy to have you here. And our first question is, um, is always, uh, to give us a little bit of background information about yourself, um, to qualify yourself for the women and the listeners, and what led you to get sober. So sometimes people can take five minutes, some people can take 15 minutes, it's just whatever you feel like you're done, you can be done. Okay. Um, so let's see here. Um, I started using at a pretty young age and drinking I mean, pretty young, like 13. Right. Um, and then, uh, my alcoholism, uh, basically progressed pretty quickly after, after that point, it was kind of like zero to 60 for me, you know, because I, um, had found something that, that made me feel whole, right. Like I had found something that, that helped me to feel more like myself, more comfortable in my own skin and kind of quieted these, these loud voices and, and things like that, that I had going on inside. Um, and so I went to my first treatment center, uh, when I was about 17, things had progressed already pretty bad to that point. I remember, you know, my mom made me go there and it was like a trick and I didn't know that I was going to treatment. I thought I was going for like some assessment. And then, you know, she's like, surprise, all your stuff's in the car and in the trunk. And I was like, you know, what? 
And so like at that point, right, like that was like my first trip kind of trying to get sober, even though I didn't really want to be. But once I got in there, you know, I was like, okay, like I can, I kind of want to do this. Right. But, you know, I hadn't really had any experience with a 12 step solution at that point. It was uh, essentially, you know, I like basically went to treatment and learned that like I needed to heal my wounded inner child and I needed some really good therapy and like I needed to be on the right medication and it's because I have PTSD and it's because I'm depressed and this is these are the reasons why I'm an alcoholic right and so like I mean I I went in there and I really wanted to stay sober um you know by the end of it I was feeling good I was like playing my guitar you know hyped up on my antidepressants like and I got out Um, And I lasted about two weeks. Right. And it was really uncomfortable. And I was just chain smoking a bunch of cigarettes and, you know, slamming energy drinks and really just doing anything to change the way that I felt. Uh, I was going to to 12 step meetings or 12 step, you know, programs and stuff like that. And, you know, it was just a disaster. So then I, you know, inevitably started drinking again. And so then that, you know, essentially just kind of um, led me into like this series of over the next few years being in and out of treatment, except for like, after that, it was like less, you know, not as nice treatment centers, right? I started getting into these state funded programs and stuff because I didn't have insurance um, or anyone that was willing for me to to pay. You know, I tried several times over those next few years. Um, My alcoholism progressed worse and worse. You know, I became homeless at one point and, and things got really dark, but I was always like under this notion that like, even though my life is steady going downhill, that somehow in a 24 hour period, I'm going to like make some shit happen. And I'm going to figure out how to make it go uphill, right? Like I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out how to, how to drink, how to have nice things, have how to have inner peace and joy and like maintain all these things that I wanted to have in my life. And I was heavily under that delusion, right? Like it talks about like controlling and enjoying. And I was obsessed with trying to control and enjoy at the same time, even though that was impossible, right? Like I was obsessed with, I'm going to figure out how to do this the way that like I see other people doing it and have a good time. But I, but I was unable to do so. I was unable to do both of those things at the same time, but I was, I was obsessed and I, and I really did believe, you know, I mean, at this point I'm like working or I'm not working at all. I'm, I'm homeless. I'm like staying with these, you know, folks in a trailer park. And like, I think that like, I'm going to just pick myself up and like, I'm going to get a job and like all this stuff that was just crazy. So that led into another trip into the uh, treatment to a treatment center, but it took me a a while until I was actually done. So, you know, what ended up happening was I think probably like five, six facilities later, what happened for me was I finally I conceded in my innermost self, I got an experience where I surrendered. And so uh, what it looked like for me was, you know, my mom was a big enabler for me and it's not her fault, you know, but what happened was she got diagnosed with cancer. And then I realized that like, 
okay. Like I had ran out of options and that things were not going to work out for me. And I was finally able to surrender and kind of admit defeat in my, in my innermost self. It wasn't like this mental stuff that I had done before of like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm an alcoholic, blah, 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 blah. It was, it was really in my heart of hearts. And then, and then that was the last time that I, that I went to treatment and, and got sober. Awesome. Thank you so much. Shay and I recovered at the same place, right? Didn't mm-hmm. we? Did you both? Yes. Mm-hmm. So can you just talk briefly about like, cause I've heard you like to bring topic and, and speak and, and stuff in different meetings. And it sounds like you have had experience working the steps before, maybe before this last time. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, so can you talk briefly about like what your experience was working the steps this time? Yeah. So basically this time, like I said, you know, before I, like, I never had a true, like step one experience. Like, I mean, I had never like, you know, I wanted, I was at a place where I wanted to, I wanted to want to be sober. Right. And so in the previous times, you know, working the 12 steps, it was like really hard for me. It felt like a lot of work. And I'm not saying that, you know, this time it didn't feel like a lot of work, but once I reached a place where I was fully convinced of my inability to like make this deal work as far as me staying sober or anything like that, that kind of fueled me through the 12 steps this last time where it made things like, I was just like, okay, whatever. Like I just have to do this, you know? And I knew that I had to do it. Whereas before it was kind of like, kind of like more of a struggle. Yeah. I remember you talking about in a meeting one time and I, would say this to the next step girls and my sponsees all the time that like you you never know who you're helping when you're sharing in a meeting or you're bringing topic or you're telling your story because like not everybody's gonna go up to you and be like hey when you said this one thing it really stood out to me right and so anyways I remember you bringing topic one time and you were talking about like writing your four step and like being like if I can just get on the other side of this four step and like how like of a struggle that was for you is it like, it wasn't like that this time, I'm assuming is what, what you're saying, right? Like writing the four step wasn't, it didn't feel like that, like a chore. I mean, pretty much like, I mean, you know, if you're convinced that like, you're going to die and you don't have any other options, but to like write the four step or, you know, do whatever. I mean, it's not fun. Like nobody likes writing a four step, you know, but it's, it's more like, I just did it. Cause like I knew, I mean, I didn't have any other options. Like I was really clear that there was nothing else. So it kind of propelled me to, to do those things that were more difficult what did you uh, find in your fist up this time? Anything, n- any new information about yourself? Mm, when I was uh, first coming in, mm-hmm. um, no, not really. I mean, I had done so many fist steps, you know what I mean? Uh, the fist step is always like shows me how full of fear I am and how, how my resentments are typically fueled by my own self-centered fear. But for me, I didn't have like a profound, like fifth step experience personally, you know, and then I learned too, that like my sponsor really doesn't care about like all this stuff that I'm so ashamed of, like nobody gives a shit. So, 
Uh, do you have the same sponsor that you had in the beginning? Mm-mm. So, oh. so yeah. So after we did my fist step, my sponsor went out and relapsed. So it was a really bad fist step. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> no uh, actually, yeah, she, she's an amazing, amazing person, but she went out and, and relapsed. So I've, I've changed sponsors like a couple times since then. So. Now, I know at one point your sponsor, or I don't know if he's still your sponsor, but he sponsored my sponsor at one point, Dawn, and I can, uh, I heard you, oh my God, I'm going to sound like a groupie or something. I heard you bring topic at a different meeting and I could tell that uh, you guys, like that you and Dawn are very similar. You guys like speak the same language. It was really cool. So on that note, I know that like 12 step work for you and sponsoring is, um, is super important. And you've talked about that a lot. Can you talk about like your experience and sponsoring other women and, and all of that? I think for me, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like kind of difficult. Sometimes women don't seem like they want to sponsor as much as men. I don't really know why that is. But I, I think that like my experience was as soon as I got through the 12 steps and like I had had this very profound like experience with a higher power that completely like like reorganized my mind and and completely like shifted the way I thought and removed my mental obsession to get drunk and high. Um, I think that like, I wanted to go and share that with people because I was like, holy shit. Like I have wanted to, to drink and use for the last like 10 years. And suddenly I don't like, how is this possible? And so I was like trying to 12 step people that probably don't even need to be 12 steps <laughs> because I was just so excited. So I think I think for me, um, you know, it's like, it's been the bright spot of my life, like step 12, like there's never a time where I feel more alive than when I'm sitting across from another man or woman and talking about the 12 steps and like sharing my experience with them. You know, I think that like, that's when I'm the, the best version of myself is when I'm, I'm like being of service and like helping somebody that is, that is dying from, from drug addiction or alcoholism. Also, I think that uh, step 12, I mean, it has carried me through some of the darkest times in my sobriety. I don't know what it is, but there's this crazy like spiritual exchange that happens when I go out and I am of service to another alcoholic or addict you know, it's definitely kept me sober through some very dark stuff that I've walked through in sobriety. My, so, and I'll just share this really briefly. My mom passed away when I was in early sobriety. And the next day I got a call from somebody asked if I could sponsor them. And like, God, like God knew exactly what I needed. Like, that's what I needed at that time. It wasn't for, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. So yeah. I definitely relate to, to that a lot. Um, and sponsoring, carrying me through grief and, and the yeah. dark times of, um, of my sobriety as well. Can you talk about your connection to your higher power? Because at the risk of sounding like a stalker, 
I remember at birthday night, <laughs> whenever you were talking about, you know, how like we get up here and we say nice things about each other. And we say, you know, we talk about each other, but really this is like a, like, this is for God. This is to celebrate God. And so like, have you always had that strong relationship with God or was that something like that was like, it came to believe experience and how has that like developed throughout your sobriety? Yeah. I mean, um, no, definitely not. I didn't, I didn't always have a strong relationship with God. I mean, like I, I always believed that there was something there, but like, I didn't really know. I, I knew intellectually that there was some kind of power probably right. You know, in the 12 steps, it talks about improving my conscious contact with with god meaning that like by a certain step like i will have made this conscious contact with god which conscious means you know it and so like that's what happened for me basically once i had had a, a spiritual experience and 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 had my obsession removed for me there was like no denying that i even though i couldn't define what that what what this god stuff was there was no denying that it was it was something outside of myself and not anything to do with me. And so like and I've just been been really clear that I mean even the willingness to like continue to do the steps and all that stuff comes from this power. So I just can't mm -hmm. really take credit for a whole lot, right? <laughs> I know. I know. I definitely um agreed like that that gift of desperation is like a gift, right? The willingness is, is a gift. It's a gift from God. And so like, we can't even take credit for our, our willingness, really. No, not know? really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to take credit for a lot of stuff when I can. Um, <laughs> so what do you find is the best way for you to continue to seek and grow with your higher power? Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't like do anything crazy, you know, um, I just, keep, I keep doing steps 10, 11 and 12, you know, can you talk on those steps? Yeah. And step 10 is, you know, essentially like, I'm just kind of, um, I'm like watching my thoughts. Right. So it's like the book talks about exiting the world. It talks about, we have entered the world of the spirit. And so like, if I, if I enter something, I'm essentially like exiting something. And so like, I'm exiting the world of self and I'm entering the world of the spirit. Right. And so like, I'm paying attention. So like, I'm, I'm watching from my innermost self, from my spirit, I'm paying attention to what's going on in this crazy motherfucker up here. Right. Um, my sponsor calls it the big brain. So like I'm paying attention and watching for, you know, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, all that stuff. Um, and then it, it, it basically says like, whenever I notice that, like I'm, so I'm watching from my spirit, paying attention to my brain. When I notice that I bring my higher power in on the deal ask him to remove it and then turn my thoughts, go help somebody else, you know? And so that kind of like helps me to where I don't have to do 15,000 four steps or like a four step every few months or whatever. If I'm like continually like practicing step 10 and uh, for me, step 11, I mean, I still like get up and I read on awakening. Um, you know, I used to think that, uh, 
I used to think that like step 11 had to be this like big production and I had to have like a shrine and like incense and like, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff. But uh, for me, it's just nightly inventory. And then I wake up and I, and I, and I say the on awakening, just those simple prayers in there in that reading. And I try to do it like the second that I wake up because my brain doesn't wait for me to wake up. My brain like is automatically just like, fucking spins out whenever I, you know, whenever I get up. So um, I try to bring God in on the deal as soon as I can. And then obviously step 12. I mean, those things combined with step 12. Like I said, I mean, that's, I think one of the best ways that I can perfect and enlarge my spiritual life, right? Like is, is, is through working with others um, and sponsoring. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you briefly touched on the on the nightly inventory. And it is one of the things that we hold next step participants accountable to is their nightly. And so can you just talk about, because it's like one of those things that I have found that takes discipline, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just like step 10 mm-hmm. takes discipline. Um, and we don't all have the discipline. So can you just talk about like your experience with the nightly review um, and how that has helped you in your recovery. And like for our listeners who are like, what's a nightly review? Can you just also give mm-hmm. a brief um, synopsis? Yeah. So, so basically like nightly review shouldn't take very long at all. Like if I've done a thorough tent step throughout the day, my nightly review should be relatively quick, right? The book, it talks about like we constructively review our day. So for me, you know, nightly review isn't like this beating down thing where I'm like, oh, look at what a piece of crap I was today and I was selfish and blah, 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 blah. For me, you know, it looks like maybe, oh yeah, you know, I was selfish today, but I brought God in on the deal, right? Constructively, like instead of destruct, which is tearing down constructively is like in a building up way. And so nightly review is just a basically like brief, like nightly kind of inventory that I do. But like I said, if I've done a thorough tent step throughout the day, it shouldn't take me very long to go through that nightly review. Yeah. I mean, it's constructively. So, you know, it's in a building up positive way. And then, and then basically like I bring, you know, whatever corrective measure like of from my day. And so like, for me, it might be like, I need to do a better tent step tomorrow. And so then I like bring that construct, that uh, corrective measure, bring that into my like meditation or whatever. So. Mm. I've never heard that about the constructively reviewing our day. And then like that, that's what it's supposed to mean. Huh. Learn yeah, something yeah. all the time. How cool. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I mean, like, I definitely don't want to be doing like nightly review in the place of step 10, right? Like, I don't need to hang on to like all this resentment and fear until like I do a nightly review at night. You know, step 10 is quick. It's in the moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you talk about too, like, Sometimes step 10 is one of those other things that like takes discipline. And I have found either like some people cannot have the discipline around it, or some people can still like be in, in delusion where they think that they don't have anything to 10 step. 
do you have experience with either being in either one of those things? And can you share your experience on what you did to, um, I guess, to get better at that? So step 10 is a really hard step. It's probably like one of the hardest steps because I mean, there's like two things that you have to do first. You have to pay attention enough to notice, right? Which that's 50% of the battle is noticing, you know, half the time. I mean, sometimes I'll just be sitting in fear for like two hours (laughs) and then I'm like, oh, I'm in fear right now. Like God remove my fear, direct my attention, what you would have me be right And so step 10 is very difficult, you know, it takes, uh, but like I found that the more I practice it consistently, the more automatic it becomes. And I mean that, you know, like some people, they don't do step 10 and, you know, and then it's like, you know, I think, I think resentment and these things like resentment has to be treated with respect. Like, I don't, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you're on your four step and you're newly sober, or if you're like, you know, three years sober or whatever it is, you know, resentment is, is one of the things that can definitely take us out if it's not treated with respect. And Mm -hmm. so I think that step 10 is super vital and important, you know, and I mean, I just personally, I don't want to be doing like 10, four steps a year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, Isaac Wesley's father would, you know, say that it has to be treated like a real piece of business. Um, And then Dawn, I remember I called her. I was like, I just got a little resentment. And she was like, oh, a little resentment because resentment's the number one offender. So is it really (laughs) resentment? And so I've taken that and like, I've really taken it to heart and with my sponsees as well. Because we like to like, I don't know, I like to like downplay like, eh, you know. Like, yeah, not that big of a deal or, right. you know, I'm super spiritual. This doesn't bother me. Like, you know, right. And, right. and having to like really look at it for what it is, which yeah. is resentment. <laughs> yeah. Looking for a way to give back and get involved with the Magdalene House? No work is too small and our dedicated volunteers serve as a valuable resource to our organization. We couldn't help alcoholic women and their families without the priceless services they provide. We provide opportunities for all, as well as opportunities strictly for women in recovery. To get started, please visit our website at magdalenhouse.org volunteers and click on new volunteer sign up. Whenever you were talking, I should have written this down. Oh, fear, 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 fear. I have been like the last I wouldn't say like week maybe I don't know like I have been like crippling fear and for some reason the fear that I have been obsessing about is that I'm going to be alone I'm destined to be alone and that it just like living in fear sucks it sucks um it's not fun it's not comfortable like it's not fun to recognize like that, like I'm not trusting God or I'm like unwilling to allow God to come into this area of my life. And I'm trying to manage and run the show. It's just awful. So can you just talk about like your experience with fear and like either like 
what fear looks like for you today and what you do when you're in fear today or your experience with living in fear or fear inventory, just anything along those lines. And then if you have anything you want to say to me about my fear, I'm completely, I'm completely open. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So fear, I mean, the book like uh, talks about fear and it, it basically says that it's an evil and corroding thread um, I think uh, for me, um, especially when I came in the rooms, like I was just completely full of fear. I was afraid of everything. And it's funny because like we, you know, most people like they live their whole lives. They have no idea how like how afraid they are, you know, of things and like why, you know, but we fortunately get to like look at this stuff and like we have to look at this stuff. And, and but the book is pretty clear on it. You know, it says that it's an evil and corroding thread. I mean, that sounds pretty terrible. It says this word, this short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was um, an evil and cor- corroding thread. It set in motion trains of circumstance, which brought us mit- misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. So in some things that like my sponsor, um, told me about fear is that like, number one, there's no such thing as a healthy fear. And, um, people say, well, I have a healthy fear of like, I don't know if there's a bear chasing me or something like that. I have a healthy fear to run away from the bear or, um, but the book says that, or or excuse me, but basically that's not fear. That's a survival instinct that causes me to flee from danger because fear paralyzes you. Like if you're in fear, like you're not going to be able to move. You know, so uh, I think that, um, you know, the book uh, gives us kind of like this promise. And so, I mean, I think for me, you know, uh, half the battle is like noticing what kind of fear it is and like why. But then it goes on and it says it tells me what to do. And it's like it's pretty simple. It tells me like, why do I have this fear? Well, it's because uh, self-reliance has failed me. Right. Like I'm like relying on my own mind. And then it goes on and it says, we never apologize for God. Instead, we let him not earn or merit or be worthy of or deserve. We let him demonstrate through us what he can do. And then it, this, it gives us directions of like what to do when we are in fear. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be at once we commence to outgrow fear. And so that's like a promise. Like it's saying like immediately I'm going to begin to outgrow fear once I start bringing God in on the deal. So like the thing about fear for me and for pretty much, I can't think my way out of fear. I can't like sit here and psychoanalyze my fear and like talk about and like, you know, do all this like psychology and stuff like that around my fear. Like that's not going to make, that's not going to remove my fear. I have to have much like everything else in this, in this work. Like I have to have this power greater than me to remove the fear from me. This prayer says, remove my fear, direct my attention, what you would have me be not do, but be. And then it says that immediately I'm going to commence to outgrow fear. And so like my sponsor has had, you know, when he like says this prayer now, and he's been sober for a lot, a lot you know, like 20 something years, but his fear is instantaneously removed. I've had some moments a couple times where my fear has been instantaneously lifted off. Um, but like most of the time it's not. Um, but like the, the promises is that like, if I continue to bring God in on the deal that like my fear will be, will be removed. So 
Yeah, I like the let him. I've never like even taken into consideration that that's what it said. Like we let him demonstrate through us what we can do, which means yeah. I have to like not get in the way, you know. Uh, yeah, so I think you don't really you don't really have to do anything, you know. Right. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Thank you. Well, how long have you been sober? What's your sobriety date? Um, it is July 26, 12. So I just, I got nine years in July. That's fantastic. Congratulations. What do you feel has been some of the greatest gifts that have happened in your nine years of recovery? And can you share some examples of some of the promises that have come true in your life? Hmm. Okay. That's good. So I think, uh, Damn. I mean, the first one was like being free from the mental obsession to, to, to do drugs and alcohol. I mean, that was like mind blowing. Like I couldn't believe, you know what I mean? Like that was crazy for somebody that, you know, so, I mean, that was the first thing that was just incredible. You know, I've had like a, a lot of different things happen, um, over the years. I mean, some of them like have been, um, in, in working with others, like watching somebody recover that, you know, is like, I mean, it's amazing. Um, I think, uh, seeing somebody that you're like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, I don't know if, if, uh, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna recover and that they do like, that's incredible. Um, it's incredible. Like it's freaking nuts sometimes. Uh, so it's awesome to like, see like, you know, that this still works, like watch other people get it and stuff and to be like a part of it. It's awesome. So, you know, I think that, um, I mean, I've had a lot of cool stuff happen. Like, I think my higher power is like taking care of me. Um, always like the first five or six years of my recovery, like I struggled financially a lot and it was, it was really difficult. Like I, I, I spent a lot of time practicing step 12. There's a part in the book um, that talks about like material well-being always followed spiritual progress. It never proceeded. And so, you know, like there, there had been times where I struggled, but like God always, you know, he provided stuff for me. I mean, I think there was one time where my car was breaking down or something like that. And my car was like not usable and I didn't have the financial means to buy a new car. And so then I, I prayed and I was like, God, will you send me a new car so that I can like meet with sponsees and all this and that. And then somebody hits my car and like totals my car. And then I get, I get all, I get the insurance money and somebody gives me a new, a a new vehicle. Um, you know, just like stuff like that, like along the way, you know, I think, uh, something that is so cool about like this work, this spiritual work is like provided that I do the spiritual work and like seek this power above everything else, then all these things like get, like, I, I start to, to get all these other things added into my life. You know, I, I, for me, it looked like, you know, starting to tap into some potential that like, I didn't know that I had that I always wanted to, to have, um, you know, and I always, you know, like 
you know, this, this last year I like started a business. And so, I mean, there's just been some really cool stuff that like God has just laid out the path for me. You know what I mean? And it wasn't really anything that I did except for like, just continue to do 10, 11 and 12. That's it. Right. Like I just continue to do 10, 11 and 12. It's really simple. Continue to help others. Even when like, it looked like it was like, there was some, some bad stuff. And like, I was, you know, broke and all these things. Right. And then eventually some of the, some of the better stuff, you know, starts to come, you know, but it's never, it's always like, I feel, you know, watch people sometimes get sober and they're like, get really focused on the wrong stuff. Like I have to, you know, whatever the job's the most important thing, or, you know, this is the, you know, the girl or the guy or, you know, whatever your thing is, um, is the most important thing. Um, you know, and, and typically like, um, typically that doesn't work out, work out very well for, but from, from my experience, you know, when they, when you just seek, you know, this power and seek these 12 steps and whatever it is, the stuff may not be on my timeline, but like, it'll get added and it'll be better than what I could do on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to remember that too. Now on the flip side of that, have you faced uh, trials and low spots in the last nine years? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I think it's also, arms, I'm not cursing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's also important to talk about that, right? Because like the big book says like the certain trials and low spots ahead. Um, yeah. And so it's not that like we recover and then like life doesn't happen and we live on this like pink cloud of like unicorns and rainbows all the freaking time. So do you mind just like sharing about maybe some of that and like what like either work and self-sacrifice, you know, that you did through that or, you know, how your higher power or God connect uh, carried you through that or, or just some of that. So maybe if there's somebody listening, who's like thinking that this shouldn't happen because I'm sober or, Mm. or going through pain or anything that they can like maybe hear some hope. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely there has been some serious struggle. Like when I first got sober, my mom was, uh, had stage four cancer and she was like on her way out. And so like when I was like four months sober, um, she died from cancer. And so my mom was like my last living like parent. And so, I mean, it just like, it was, it was so raw. I mean, it was like being, you know, stone cold sober, you know, watching like her get wheeled out of the house on a, you know, going to the morgue. I mean, it was probably one of the most raw moments, like watching, watching that, you know, of, of my entire life, um, because I was very close with my mom. I mean, that was, uh, that was definitely like a journey. Like that was like the first, um, the first thing. And I mean, really like that was probably the, one of the, one of the worst things that I've experienced, but on the flip side, you know, um, every time I go through a trial, it's like, uh, it's like a spiritual growth spurt and like, it sucks. (laughs) It's not fun. But like, that's just how I grow. That's like how we grow is by going through these challenges, you know, Um, definitely. It's not like you get sober and life stops, you know, just you you get sober and like you're still living life. But like, fortunately, I don't experience the, the desire to go get loaded or drunk. 
you know, and so that was like a journey. I mean, in that whole year, I mean, I would have nightmares. I mean, about my mom and like, it was like really dark. I was really sad. Um, and so that was, that was definitely a, a journey. Um, and then, you know, I think, um, just dealing with, you know, some loneliness and stuff like that, that was difficult. You know, there have been seasons where, you know, there haven't been like a lot of people in my life or there are, but they're like all married and like have their own, you know, whatever. And so like some, some seasons of loneliness, definitely, you know, and what helped me through all these things is step 12 and, and seeking God. I mean, that's it. I mean, just various, you know, having, having some breakups. I mean, those always suck. I mean, I've gotten fired from two jobs <laughs> in, in sobriety. Um, so, you know, I, I went through a, a, a period, um, in 2016 where I lost a job and, um, I was, um, extremely, I like started having panic attacks around finances and things like that. And like, that was extremely difficult, but, but like, I was okay, you know? And so, so it's like I said, like I've gone through definitely some dark times, some dark emotional times, some depression, some loneliness, dealing with past experiences, you know, people relapsing that you love people dying, um, you know, but each time I go through a trial while it sucks and it feels like it's like never going to end, it always ends. And there's something that there's something I come out of it on the other side, better and stronger. And, you know, it's like you level up through these, these situations. Um, and so, I mean, I think, you know, just the main thing, I mean, there's no, like, there's no like quick, quick, you know, fix for going through some shit, you know, you just got to walk through it. I've just had to walk through it, but I can, I can seek God and I can um, help others. And like, the cool thing is like, I can go through this stuff, but I don't have to feel the desire to get higher drunk. And that's a miracle for somebody that, you know, usually their vice is to go get loaded, you know, and it's through continuing to press practice 10, 11, and 12 through these, these difficult seasons and things like that. Mm, good. Whenever Isaac died and I mean, my, the participants and graduates, if they've listened enough, they, they know, um, you know, it's been almost a year. And I had people like just reach out to me and either that like loved Isaac or, you know, loved me or loved the kids and, and people that like I just wouldn't think about. And like you were one of those people who like reached out to me and just like helped me um, during that. And I just really, really appreciate that. So thank you for that. Um, now we've talked about like all of the steps pretty much except for step nine so I feel like it's just appropriate that we do that um so can you talk about your experience with amends yeah amends is badass um amends is scary um for me like I didn't have a spiritual experience until I got to step nine you know I found that like um the harder the amends the greater the freedom like it's really easy for me to, you know, go when I come in and like make amends to these people where I already know what they're going to say, you know, amends and, and the word amends, I mean, probably some of you know this, but it means change. And so 
I think that it's, you know, it's easy for me to go and and just make those amends with like your, you know, my family and people that are going to be like, we just want you to be sober and happy. And like, I know, you know what they're going to say and stuff. And those amends are definitely important, but it's the amends that like make my palms sweat when I think about it, that like, I'm just like, oh shit. Um, And so for me, what happened was um, I made this like really difficult amends. I was probably like 45, 60 days sober. Um, I made this really difficult amends and it was just like eating me up on the inside. Like, you know, because whenever I have unfinished amends, like whether or not I know it or not, like I have this internal tape playing of guilt, shame, like it's like going on within me. Right. And so when I make an amends, it stops the tape and I'm able to get free from that. And so what happened was I made an amends to an ex and, um, you know, and it was like, I don't know, I think, uh, she like hung up on me or something anyways, but what happened was I had a spiritual experience after that. And so it doesn't necessarily matter like their response. It says it's water over the dam, but it's the fact that I'm willing to make the amends. And so, um, so like it was in that moment that my mental obsession got lifted, you know? And so then I was like, wow, I want to make more difficult amends. This is awesome. You know? And I've had several like really cool experiences with making, um, difficult amends. And so, I mean, I think, um, amends is one of those things where it's like, like I said, you know, if you're clear on step one, if you're clear on your step one truth, like, you know, you're powerless and like, you're going to die like of, of alcoholism or addiction probably. And like, there's no other choice for you, then that's going to propel you into making these difficult amends and things like that. Um, but I, I mean, it's absolutely something that, you know, I hope, I hope everybody gets to experience is, is the freedom. Um, you know, I've had several amends. I mean, I've had one amends where I reached out and they were like, no, I don't want to see you, you know, but like, I still got free. Like I got free from that. You know, I've made amends to grocery stores, you know, these different things. And I remember one time, you know, I, I said uh, to my sponsor, I was like, well, you know, I stole the CD from Starbucks or whatever. And, you know, I, I never, you know, I thought about it, but like, I never really thought that I needed you know, that was important or whatever. And he's like, well, but you always thought about it. And I was like, Mm, that's very true. So then I went and made, you know, the amends to Starbucks and they're like looking at me crazy and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it says nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so meaning sobriety. So like, I'm not going to be able to stay sober if I don't like take these amends seriously and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we just had a, relapse prevention workshop at Maggie's and what it was is finish your amends 10 11 and 12 here are some parts in the big book where it says you'll drink again called it like relapse prevention you know haha funny and that was that's one of the things you know that that uh we made sure to talk about was like the importance of of finishing your amends Mm -hmm. and continue to do the amends definitely well we're getting to the top of the hour And for our listeners, if you have had any takeaways like I have today, please screenshot this episode, upload it to your Instagram story, let us know what those were, and tag the Magdalene House. We would love to to hear how this episode has helped you. And if you feel led to, please share with a friend so they they can be helped too.
So before I ask the wrap up question, I'm, I'm curious if you had to, cause I know it's hard to pick one, but like if you had to pick one or two parts in the big book, what would you say are your favorites and would you read them and share them with us? Hmm. Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, I think for me is uh, on page 77, I think 77, where it says, um, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. You know, we come in here, I came in here with like no idea, no direction in my life, no, no idea what my purpose was or like what I was good for or anything like that. And like, this tells me my purpose, right? Like my purpose is to like help others. My purpose is to be of maximum service. I think another part is, I can't remember where it is, but it says, that's you know spiritual um hold on a second Mm, okay yeah quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems Mm. that's pretty powerful right and then what Mm -hmm. that looks like is home work play everything so Mm -hmm. these spiritual principles this 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 12-step work it's uh really it's the solution for for many many things all all my problems in my life you know and then one more thing is um when we look back we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in god's hands were better than anything we could have i can't remember i don't know what it says on the rest of it but it's like anything we could have planned that's what it says Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and I have experience with that as well. So you would think uh, it would be easier for me to trust God, knowing everything that I know. Uh, my final question for you, it's the same question that I ask everybody, is, you know, if you could leave us with one takeaway, like if for some reason, you know, this entire podcast was, you know, something happened to it and like somebody was only going to hear like this one thing um, and either it's for the women getting sober, staying sober, maybe they're sober, but they're not recovered or whatever it is. If you could leave the listeners with one takeaway, what would you want to leave us with? Get a sponsor and work the steps and get out there and start kicking some ass. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Well, thank you, Shay. I hope you have a wonderful day. I appreciate you, you being on here with us and everybody else have a wonderful day too. Thanks so much. Bye, Mm -hmm. Stephanie. Bye, guys. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Thank you.